I believe we are all here with great purpose and you deserve to live your best life. What I've discovered on this journey is that our realities are a manifestation of what's going on on the inside. I had reached this point in life where I deeply, deeply questioned, what is my purpose? And there was this voice in my head that said, you're not worthy. Once I made the courageous decision to change, that's when everything shifted. And then there was this confidence that spilled over into all areas of my life, into my relationships, my businesses, and I even became a better mother. My motto, you have everything inside of you to create the life that you want. Welcome to Creatrix, the transformative show that is all about you. This intriguing program will empower you to create and activate the precise dream-filled life you desire. And now, the host of Creatrix, Amira Mondin. All right, good morning, good morning, my powerful creators. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Creatrix, creating the life that you want. And yes, I am your host, Amira Mondin, but you can call me Lotus because I am going to empower you to rise above your circumstances and reign in life. So as always, we kick off this show with gratitude. Give me that big inhale and exhale. Yes. Exhale that gratitude. I'm so very grateful for each and every one of you that are listening in today because we have another powerful show for you today. So our show today is part two of From Heart Failure to Heart of a Champion with my special guest, Johnny Davis. Now, if you missed the first show, you got to go back and you have to listen to it because we had a very inspiring and life-changing show for those of you that tuned in. And so if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it because today we are continuing with vulnerability, power, and inspiration. So please welcome to the show, Johnny Davis. Johnny, how are you today? I am outstanding. How are you? I know you are. I just realized that you are coming up on your sixth rebirthday. You told me that in the heart world that when you uh, live another year, you call it your rebirthday. Is that right? That's correct. For those of us <laughs> in the sudden cardiac arrest community that have been uh, fortunate enough to, to survive it, uh, we consider the anniversary of the incident uh, a rebirth. So, yes, I'm coming up. All right, up and on so that anniversary birthday. is coming up on December 24th. So, before we get into it, just so that you guys know, in our first episode, at age 34 years old, Johnny was diagnosed with congenital heart failure. And he went on a path of healing and discovery. And then on December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2012, he went into sudden cardiac arrest. He was dead for 16 minutes. He was revived, but when he was revived, they told his wife that he would never be the same, that he potentially would be in a vegetative state for the rest of his life, that the husband that she knew would not be the husband that she had known once he woke up. But you know, like we said in the first episode, there were different plans. So in today's episode, we're going to go even deeper into what happened on that Christmas Eve. We're going to talk about the symbolism of what heart failure 
meant for Johnny. And then he's got a very empowering message for you at the end. So, Johnny, let's let's get into it. Take us back to December 24th, 2012, when you went into sudden cardiac arrest. Okay. Well, it was earlier that evening. Uh, my wife and I, we were in our living room. We were talking about everything that was going to happen over the course of the Christmas holiday. And we were also in our family planning stage at that time as well. We were looking to have a family and Rachel was going through the in vitro process. And so she had all of her medication on the table, on the coffee table at that time, so that she could prepare her wound so that we can go through this process and, and get pregnant. Our plan was to get pregnant in January and have the baby sometime in September, October. And we were going to start our family. That was just going to, you know, we were on our way to continuing with our living our dream. And unfortunately, I went to sleep that night, went to sleep at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I went into sudden cardiac arrest. And she said that I reached over and grabbed her and I was shaking her. And she thought I was having a bad dream. And so she started calling my name. You know, Johnny, wake up. Johnny, wake up. You had a bad dream. And she noticed that I, I was not responding. And so she immediately got up and she turned on the lights and saw that my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. And she called 911 and they advised her what to do as far as administering chest compression. So she began the CPR process. Only to witness me take my last breath in her hands and, and die right there. So the rescue team came a short time after that. It was four gentlemen, and each of them worked on me. They each did 300 chest compressions on me for a total of 1,200 chest compressions, and they shocked me six times with a defibrillator. I regained, uh, I, I started breathing again. They got a pulse, but I did not regain consciousness. There was a period in which I did not have oxygen to my brain or pulse for over 16 minutes. And once I started to kind of breathe on my own again, it was, it was touch and go, you know, from that point on. There were several other things that transpired between the time I left my house and arrived in the hospital. You would actually have to talk to Rachel to get all those details because I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, she will be able to tell you better than I can. But the long and short of it is that's what happened on Christmas Eve. I, uh, I remember waking up in the hospital, being surrounded by family, and I, I remember being very confused. I remember just trying to figure out how these people got there. I thought I was in a dream. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing, nothing seemed real at that moment. I was just totally discombobulated in, in that state. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into... Part of oh, yeah. I mean, tell us, so once you, once you started to come back and regain your senses, and I know in your book you talk about, you know, asking the same question. Uh, well, Rachel talked about asking the same question over and over as you began to try to reacclimate yourself to life. So what was that like for you? And then what happened once you realized where you were at and what you were faced with? Well, let me back up for one second because I can really, you know, dive into it now since I know that we're going to, we're going to get really 
you're going to get really deep with this, right? Oh, so, wait, Johnny, we're going deep. I, we're going deep today. You ready? I, I do recall being in my, in my, I was in a coma and, you know, people say that when a person's in a coma, they can hear you. They can hear what they're, if you're talking to them. From my, my experience, I didn't hear a thing. Okay. I was totally oblivious to anything and everything that was going on this side of the plane. I knew that I was not in my, in my body. I was, I was conscious to know that the essence of who I am, my spirit, if you will, was not on this side of the plane. Rachel was talking to so me. So wait a second. So when you woke up, uh, you, you, you knew that you were alive, but you also felt that you were disconnected from your spirit? Well, no. What happened, I'm, I'm going to take you through the process of the, the whole waking up because there okay. was a period where I knew that in my, in my comatose state that I was not present. I was not here. Okay, so while you were in your coma, you knew that? What's that? So while you, I'm just trying to paint the picture and understand. So while you were in a coma, you knew that you were not present. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's, it's, it's something Sorry. that's very, it's, it's really hard to explain to individuals who've never gone through that. The, 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 the level of, of consciousness and awareness that you have, even in that state. For me, I was fully aware, even though I was not physically alive, the essence of who I was was fully aware that I was not in my body because I was in a different place. And I heard a voice that told me that it was not my time that I had to return where I was in that, in that space. And I remember feeling that I did not want to come back. I remember feeling that this place that I was, it was just peace and love and just security. It was Mm -hmm. a feeling of, uh, the feeling that a newborn would feel in the comfort of his mother's arms. It was, it was so, it was pure love that I did not want to relinquish. I did not want to let go of that perfectly euphoric feeling. But then when I did come back to my body and I did see what was going on and the people that were around me and everything that started to happen, I was, it was just like, I was in total shock and I did not recognize, you know, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know why this happened. I was so scared. I'm looking around and I'm seeing people that should not be there. I saw my mother, my best friend from high school. I saw all these people surrounded, surrounding me. And my question was, why are you here? How did I get here? Where am I? What's going on? And I was just very, very scared. And then once I noticed that I was connected to all these tubes, Rachel said that I started to just kind of pull them out, pull them I had a catheter hooked up to me. She was like, don't pull that. <laughs> uh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I had no idea where, what it was. So I'm just mm-hmm. started yanking stuff because I thought something, something was, someone was trying to do something to me. Someone was trying to kill me. And so I started pulling stuff. And um, she explained to me where I was and what happened. And then at, at that point, I started to cry. Mm-hmm. And I started to cry because the inevitable had happened. I remember, you know, with Dr the doctor told me that this could happen and it did happen. And everyone that was around me was just there uh, to, to support her and to support me. And it was just uh, one of those situations where I, I, I cannot articulate in words the, the feeling that I felt just being surrounded by all those people. It was confusion. It was joy. It was fear. It was being afraid. It was so much that was transpiring at that time. But it was just 
it, it was a, a very, very um, weird time, a, a weird space to be in. I was appreciative that I was still alive, but I was very confused and sad and angry that it even happened in the first place. So when you have all of these emotions just like stirred up in this pot, if you will, you just, you do your best to try to make sense out of what it all means. And it really didn't start to make sense until days after the incident happened, after several days of being in the hospital and then eventually coming home, reflecting and just thinking about why I mm-hmm. survived because sudden cardiac arrest victims less than 5% of sudden cardiac arrest victims survive less than 5%. And I was one of those individuals that survived. And so as I started to kind of try to figure out why and, what, and, and make sense of that, mm-hmm. make sense of really why you survived or make sense of why it happened. Make sense of, I knew why it happened. I knew how it could happen because the doctor explained to me how it could happen. But what I, I really wanted to make sense of why I survived mm-hmm. and what, what did that mean, you know, for me going forward. And so it really put me in a different space of reflection. It put me in a different space of being appreciative of life and being appreciative of giving, of, of being given a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. But really going forward, understanding what my life means, what this means, what it, what did it mean for me to be, be out of my body, be technically dead for six, over 16 minutes for me to be on, to be returned back onto the side of the plane, to be returned to the people that love me, to be returned back here. What am I supposed to do going forward? Because if it, if it were meant for me to be dead, I would be dead. So I'm, I never focused on that part. Mm-hmm. I focused mm-hmm. on what does it mean for me to be alive? Why am I here now? And so my, my focus became solely on determining what that meant. And I was going to completely dedicate my life going forward to fulfilling that purpose and that mission because the next time I die, which will be for good, mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm supposed to be or supposed to have done, I want to make sure that I, I completed it, that it was done. Hmm. You know, Johnny, you have a really powerful message all, all throughout your book. Um, I mean, as you read the book and you take us on the journey of what led up to this and then what is happening afterwards, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in the first episode uh, was the bitterness and unforgiveness. And, you know, I often wonder, as I read your book, if that message is consistent with uh, our need to forgive, that if we don't forgive, what that does to us internally, you know, it's, it's interesting because in your book, you talked about the dream that you had uh, about your father and that your mom, and you were talking, and in your book you say, she knew that I held on to a lot of pent-up anger and resentment toward him my entire life. It never dawned on me that after all those years, I had not let it go. I told her I never did. The man was gone and had been 
and had been gone for five years. Yet for some reason, I just couldn't let go of the anger. She said to me, Johnny, that's probably the reason why your heart went into failure. Do you know that harboring anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness in your heart does more damage to you than the person you're angry with? And then in your book, you exclaimed, she was so right. She was so right. Johnny, I just want to ask you, do you think that that is why you went into sudden cardiac arrest? I think that that's the reason why my heart became diseased. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you will. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, the sudden cardiac arrest was a, a symptom. That was, the, that was the end result of what the, of the root. congestive heart failure was. Right. So that was it. You know, I think that uh, I, I, reflecting back on it now, I could say unequivocally, absolutely. For me, mm-hmm. and I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on television either. But what I... <laughs> Just through the process of elimination and deductive reasoning, when I think about everything that has transpired in my life, that's the only thing that I can think of. That because I was I was such in a bitter state, I had so much anger and so much bitterness, mm-hmm. you know, toward my father. But to the world, you know, I was a businessman, I was a, a speaker, I was a trainer, I was a coach. I was all these things on stage and no one knew that because that was one face that I had. Mm. The other face that I had was this angry boy that became this angry man, bitter and hurt, rejected, dejected, mm. neglected. All of these feelings that I held on to and it just balled itself up into this tumor, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it just placed itself right in my heart, right. you know, the one place where, you know, it's the, it's the strongest muscle in your body. It's the most important muscle in your body. That right there is placed right there. So you and had this seed, you had this seed of bitterness, you had the seed of unforgiveness. And as we know, thoughts become things. And that seed was implanted on your heart and it manifested into disease because we were designed to live a life of ease. And whenever we are incongruent or not in alignment with the truth of who we really are, which is love, as you so beautifully explained, when you are unconscious, then it manifests in our body as sickness and disease. That is so very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Now, when we come back, we're going to go into an even greater depth of what heart failure, the symbolism, what that meant for Johnny. If you've got questions for him, please give us a call at 888-346-9141. You're listening to Creatrix. We'll be back in a moment. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, 
You might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you where you want to be right now? We live our lives sometimes looking at others and thinking the grass is always greener on their side, not realizing that we have the power within us to pursue our dreams. It begins with a head start in the right direction, and that head start is with host Carla D. Walker and From the Inside Out. Believe in your abilities and take action. Listen live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Creatrix, creating the life you want with Amira Mondin. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to Amira, A-M-Y-R-A, at amiramondin.com. Now, back to Creatrix, creating the life you want. All right, welcome back. We are talking with Johnny Davis. And during the break, you know, Johnny and I were having a a heart-to-heart, and we were talking about how simple life is designed to be, and yet how we overcomplicate it, and how simple it is to actually get down to the root of what our ailments are, what causes the dis-ease in our body. And so before we went to break, we were talking about bitterness and resentment on the heart and how that had planted a seed that took root and grew inside of him. And now, Johnny, you said that in reflecting, once you came back and were giving the statistics that less than 5% of people survive sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. you realize that you're here with great purpose and you have a, m- a mission to fulfill. And one of the things that you stated is that there is symbolism. Going into sudden cardiac arrest and experiencing heart failure is symbolic for you. What do you mean by that? Well, as I was sharing just previously, all of these negative feelings, you know, the feeling of, of, of being rejected and dejected and neglected and hurt and anger, all this negative energy was just, it was just, it kind of fused itself together in this little ball and just kind of planted itself right into the the heart muscle. You know, and if you think about what the heart symbolizes, the heart symbolizes love, the heart symbolizes the mind. You know, there's a, there's a, a scripture that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So when you think about as a man thinketh in his heart, his mind, right? So when you think about what that means for me, um, it was so much negative energy that in order for me to get to the next level in my life, in order for me to 
be able to live my full beauty or reach my full potential, that this particular area had to be changed. You know, my eyes didn't fail me. Mm-hmm. My liver, my kidneys, my, my lungs didn't fail me. It was the heart. My heart failed me. So it was, it was as if, okay, this part of you, Johnny, has to literally, we have to break this down so that we can build you up again. We got to replace this old heart with anger and bitterness and replace it with love, gratitude, joy, and rebuild you and rebuild you. And so for me, as I thought about it years later and even gone through the sudden cardiac arrest, it was like, okay, Johnny Davis, the old you from this point forward died. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The old Johnny Davis from this point is no longer. The man you were at up to age 40 years old is gone. You have been reborn. You have, a, you, you have been given a second chance at life. And this is what you're going to focus on from going, going forward. This is what your purpose is going to be. This is what your life is going to be. You no longer are going to harbor those feelings of anger and bitterness. You're no longer going to feel rejected and, and, and neglect, neglected or dejected or unappreciated. You're no longer going to hold on to those things because those are all illusions. None of that is real. It's all an illusion. You make it It's real all an illusion, Johnny, and, and none it. of it's real. Let me ask Sorry. you something, though, because you just said something. You just said something, and I want to I wanna go back here, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm asking it with purpose because I know that one of the prevailing themes in your book is taking responsibility. And you said, my heart failed me. My heart failed Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. as I'm thinking about it, is it that the heart failed you or did you fail your heart? Right? Because if the heart is the source of love and we we hold on to bitterness and resentment, then do we fail our hearts? What do you think about that? I think that you can definitely, you know, say that, that you fail your heart for sure. When you think about all the things that we decide to hold on to, if, there, if there's, there's feelings of gratitude, love and peace and happiness, typically you don't see people that operate from that place mm-hmm. having heart problems or heart trouble. You know, that's always, when you think about the different, ail- the different areas that kind of plague us or we find disease in our body, there's, there's something that we're doing, that something that's taking place on the, in our subconscious that's causing that to happen. And for me, when you think about the heart, think about what the heart symbolizes. It's the strongest muscle in your body. It's the most important muscle in your body. It pumps blood throughout your entire body. Without your heart, nothing happens. Without love, nothing happens. Without operating from a place of, of, of gratitude, peace, and joy, nothing happens in your life. There's no fruit that's going to be born from that. So for me, it just makes perfect sense that, yes, because of the feelings and bitterness and everything that I was holding on to, my heart felt me. It, it, it's, I felt my heart. My heart felt me however you want to put it, mm-hmm. it, ha- it was just the weight of the negative energy was just too much for it to bear. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it had to fail. It, it, it had to go. It had to be replaced. It had to be broken down to be re, to be rebuilt. So that's and you know, you said I, that was true for you. You said that was true for you. Let, let, let's expand that. Is it also true for millions of other people? Because Johnny, you are a strong African American male. And after our last show, you know, I got to be honest with you, I was very emotional after our our last show. And as I sat there and I reflected on the magnitude of what you're sharing. I received that as African-Americans, you know, what, what is the number one killer of African-Americans? Which disease is it? It's heart disease. Heart disease. Right. That's right. It's heart disease. Now, and is it heart disease? Because just like you're saying, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment, the years of rejection planted upon the subconscious mind, which runs 95% of our behavior. Is that why, as a culture, it's the number one cause of death in African Americans? I'd love to know your perspective on that, too. You know, I think that um, it's a strong possibility. I would not make a blanket statement and say this is the, this is the reason for everyone, but... I would argue and say it's a very strong possibility when you examine what a person's experience is like from the time they're born, going up through their young years, teenage years, young adult years, all the things that they've learned, all the people that made an impact in their life, all the beliefs and the philosophies that they chose to learn and give value to. I mean, it can, it can play a major role in why people are dying from heart disease, you know, not to mention, of course, the elements that on it, that, that are external, like diet and food, uh, exercise or lack thereof and things of that nature that also contribute to that. But from a, an emotional standpoint, most certainly, mm-hmm. I can definitely attribute, I would, I would make the argument that that's a huge component, especially mm-hmm. for myself because I was an athlete and I did not abuse my body with drugs and alcohol and I did not abuse my body with bad food. So my diet did not play a part in this. Uh, my lifestyle didn't play a part in it. Like I said, I, I didn't, I've never used drugs a day in my life. I've never smoked anything a day in my life. I didn't have any blood issues. I didn't have any diabetes or anything of that nature. Never been overweight. So when you look at the medical factors that contribute to a person having heart disease, with developing heart disease or congestive heart failure, I didn't fit that profile. So what else could it be? After we narrowed it all down and through the process of elimination, I did a self-examination for me and said, Johnny, this, this is what it has to be. Mm-hmm. So when I look across our, our culture and you look at, you know, how, why people are going through what they're going through, you know, even if it is external, even if it is something related to diet or what have you, you have to, under, have, have to ask yourself, well, why is that? You know, why does this person abuse their body with alcohol or drugs? So why do they abuse their body with bad food, so on and so forth? What, what belief about themselves do they have that su- support what they're doing to themselves? And where did it come from? So it can get really, really deep. And I think it's a case-by-case basis for sure. You know, but when you look at us overall as a group, you think about 
the challenges that people deal with on a daily basis, I would definitely say that it could be a huge contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for that. So now going back to the symbolism for you after you've had this experience and you're now in the process of um, analyzing and accepting your purpose in life, tell us more about the symbolic meaning of going into heart failure, please. Well, so for me, like I said, the old me died on December 24th of 2012. And when I came back to my body, I came back to a different person. After I was able to reacclimate myself, get my brain to reboot, and refamiliarize myself with things, I, and I had time to kind of get into the, the flow, if you will, back into my life's flow, and really start to think about what it all meant and what this whole thing is going to mean for me going forward, you know, it just made things very clear. You said earlier that, you know, when we think about life, we complicate it and it's really not that complicated. It's, it's, it's simple truths broken down to simple truths and principles. And when you violate these principles, if it's a spiritual law, you know, if it's, if it's a physical law and you violate the laws of the universe, then there's going to be repercussions and consequences for that. Now, some people might say, but what are you talking about? You know, what law am I violating? You know, when you think about it on a higher level, for me, I think, I think about things on a much higher level now, not just looking at things at face value, because everything that happens in our physical form, trans, it happens in the unseen first. And you right. know that more That's than right. anyone else. So we have to always think about what are our thoughts? What is the, what's causing this to happen? What's causing this person to react this way? What's causing me to react this way? What's causing me to feel this way? So we, we have to analyze ourselves from that perspective. And so for me, it just made things very, very clear. And I developed the, the mantra for myself, and I live by this today. If it does not evolve me, it will not involve me. So I love that. Wait a second, Johnny. That you, was good. Write that one down. If it does not evolve me, then it does not involve me. Did I get that right? If it does not evolve me, it that's right. will not involve, involve me. me. I think that's my next okay. show. <laughs> so, that's, so that's my mantra. And I decided going forward that as I became very clear on what it is that I'm going to do going, going forward with my life and discovering my purpose and mission, because I went on this whole journey too, of just asking myself different questions of what am I, what do I like to do? Um, what am I here for? Because I learned early on when you ask empowering questions, you get empowering answers. So you have to ask yourself the right questions so that the answers will be like, You'll, you'll attract those answers because our, our minds are wired with cybernetic systems and we're, our brain is constantly looking for a solution. So when you ask the right questions, you get the right answers. And so as I went through that process of just asking myself these questions, it became very clear and apparent to me of what my gifts are and what I am going to do going forward unapologetically. This is my truth, regardless of what anyone has to say or how they feel about it. 
I'm not going to concern myself with that. What I'm going to concern myself with is what I'm going to do with the rest of the time that I have in this physical form, the lives that I want to change, the lives that I want to positively impact, the lives that if I have a hand in changing the trajectory of a person's pathway to help them achieve success for them, whatever success means to them, then I'm doing my part on this side of the plane. Because if you think about it, there's only but so much money you can make. There's only but so many houses you can have. There's only but so many cars you can drive. There's only but so many nice clothes and shoes that you can wear. When you remove yourself from those physical, those, those material things, and we start to think about life in, the, in, the, in its purest form, from an energy standpoint, what contribution are we making to make the world a better place, to make our country a better place? to make everywhere, every person that we touch, how do we make that individual better? When we come in contact with people, when they walk away from you, are they walking away from you inspired, motivated, to have more, be more, do more, achieve more? Or are they walking away pissed off, angry, annoyed, neglected? What are we doing? What is, mm-hmm. what is our energy that we're contributing? So for me... I decided that moving forward that I was going to focus on changing people's lives because when I look around and I see what's happening in our, in our world today, in our society today, there's a need for a different way of thinking, a different spirit, a different energy. And I believe that there's a collective body of people out here that are focused on that very same thing. That's right. And all of us, have gotten to this, the same point, but we've gotten to this point by different pathways, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. experiences in our lives. So for me, I had to go through my life experience. I had to go through my sudden cardiac arrest. I had to go through my, my heart failure to get to this level of awareness, to realize that all of the things that you may have valued before really has no value. All of the the little things that we take for granted, the little things are really the big things. And when we show appreciation for those little things, like being able to look at your son, your beautiful children that you have, and look them in the eyes and see them every day, and you tell them, Mm -hmm. I love you, Mm -hmm. and you give them the biggest hug, and you see the smile on their face, that becomes a big thing. If you think about you being in a position where you're flat on your back, and you're sick, and you can't do that anymore, then you really value, you think about those things. Because when I was on my deathbed, when I was coming out of my, when I came out of my coma and I was still strapped to that bed, Mm -hmm. I didn't care about how much money I had in the bank or the cars or the houses. What I thought about with Myra was, man, I I need more time. Mm. I need more Mm. time. You need more time because you need more time to get that empowering message out there. And Johnny, I know that in your book, you were prepared for this time because there were experiences that you had that led you to ask those empowering questions. You were a you're a huge proponent of personal development. So when we come back, we're going to move into 
the empowering message that you have for the listening audience and how you arrived at these steps because what you're saying right now is life. You are speaking life into the audience and we are so very, very grateful for that. So when you say ask empowering questions and you will get empowering answers, we're going to talk about those answers when we come back in just a moment. We will be right back. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com For so many years, adults and teens have experienced a breakdown in communication. It doesn't have to be like this. Listen for Tools for Teen Transformation with Lily Williams. Coach Lily and her guests will tackle subjects like bullying, self-esteem issues, teen pregnancy, substance abuse, and more. It's all about getting teens and the adults in their lives to think differently. You could save a teen's life. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you sometimes feel powerless over your own life? Does it seem like you're living for someone else, unsure of what your purpose is, or if you even have an important voice? It's time to take back that control. Tune in to Empowered with Des and Jen. They've been in the same place and have learned to regain control of their lives. They also feature amazing guests who share experiences of how they have found success. Start on your journey by listening Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. What makes you a success? Is it your business or career? Is it your family and social life? How do you achieve the next level in your success? Tune in to Infinite Success Radio with host Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Rachel and her amazing guests are here to encourage, inspire, and empower you to take control of your destiny and achieve the level of success you were born to reach. How do ordinary people become extraordinary? Find out with Infinite Success Radio, broadcasting live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Creatrix, creating the life you want with Amira Mondin. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to Amira, A-M-Y-R-A, at AmiraMondin.com. Now... Back to Creatrix, creating the life you want. Okay, welcome back. All right, so during the break, Johnny and I were having a little bit of a heated discussion. I'm going to come back to something that I just said, because when I asked Johnny about heart disease being the number one cause of death in African Americans, you know, Johnny, you stated that, well, there's always going to be somebody who's going to argue that. And sure, that's true. And they're always going to revert to, to science, right? And one of the things that I just want everyone to think about is, yes, you can argue that point, and yes, you can rely upon science. However, at some point, we must recognize not necessarily that science is failing, but we need to get down to the root, the root, because science may tell you that it is your lifestyle. It is, it is your diet. It's what you're eating. But as Johnny so powerfully stated, if we don't get down to the root or if we are in violation of immutable laws of the universe, 
then there are consequences to that. And so I just wanted to I just wanted to speak to that for a moment because you know I know that making that type of a statement there might there may be some who have some some issue with that. And at the same time, we have to take responsibility. We have to take responsibility and we have to become aware of the universal laws that we live within and how when we're in harmony with them, how we move into flow and we live a life of ease. And when we are out of alignment, we're out, uh, we're in disharmony with it, then we experience dis-ease, D-I-S-E-A-S-E. So, Johnny, when you talk about taking responsibility and you talk about we have to take responsibility in your book because you have to become aware. And I always say in my coaching practice, you know, it's good when we have this awareness. It's good. Now, you may feel like "Mm, this is not what I wanted to know or it's painful, but we have to embrace it because you cannot heal what you are unconscious of. So, Johnny, take us into your, your position on that responsibility, and then how this moved you into the empowering message that you have for us all. Well, there's a phrase that, uh, I forget who said it, but it goes like this, you know, once you know better, you can do better, right? Yes, that's right. You have to become aware of the situation before you can take responsibility for it. If you, if you become aware of the situation and then you choose still not to take responsibility for it and give that away, you're giving your power away to an entity, somebody else, so whoever that, or whoever or whatever that might be, you're giving it away. So as soon as you become aware of something and then you own it and say, okay, this is the truth because what was happening before is not the truth, but this is the truth. Now you have a decision to make at that point that you're going to accept this as the truth and that you're going to make a change that serves you, that helps to improve, to make things better. It's very simple. And what is it's that truth? That truth is that you, you are, that you are love. What is the truth? The truth with a capital T, that you are love, that you are healthy, that you are here with great purpose. And that there is abundance. And so when Indeed. you say, so, so when you say, ask empowering questions and you get mm-hmm. empowering answers, what were some of those questions that you asked and how did you know to ask empowering questions in order to get those answers? Well, some of the questions that, that I was asking at the time, like when I was going through my my healing process during my heart failure was why did this happen to me? You know, how, how can I, how can I improve my current situation? How could I become stronger? What can I do to become better? Who has the information that I need so I can get to where I need to go? Because at that time I was focused on getting well. All I wanted to do was get better. So all the questions that I was asking myself was questions that I asked that led me down the pathway of improving my health. And each one of those questions that I asked myself, I got an answer. This person has the information. This is what you can do to help yourself. This is what you can do. This is a book that you can read to give you the information so that you can discover this particular supplement that you might need in order for you to give your heart energy. And Johnny, where did those answers come from? 
You said you just said you you received the answers. So you just said that you received answers. And what I love about what you said is you stopped asking why, but more of how, what, mm-hmm. and who. And then you said the answers were given to you. Where did the answers come from? You know, it's funny because when you put it out in the universe, the universe responds. Mm-hmm. I would get phone calls from people that would say, you know, they would say, hey, Johnny, you know, I was reading this particular article about CoQ10. Do you know anything about that? Check out this article. Here's a great source for for you. This is what it does to help your heart. Like, hmm, wow. Okay. I put it out there. I was asking, what could I do? All of a sudden, I would get a phone call from someone that was reading this article mm-hmm. about my heart. And they had a, they had an answer, and I'm like, wow, this is how this works. It really <laughs> works. It really works. It will That's come right. from different people and uh-huh. different times. You know, different friends of mine that will offer information. You know, I have a lot of friends that are doctors, and I would ask, you know, what can I do? How can I make this better? And I will get text messages. I will get emails from individuals. Sure, so sure now, wait, Johnny, when you're saying you would ask, so you, you talk in your book, you talk in your book that you started to practice the art of meditation. Now, were you meditating mm-hmm. when you asked these questions or were you in your quiet time? When were you asking these questions? Because, you know, you've told us that then they start to come, which is always so much fun. Um, but what were you doing when you asked the questions? I was meditating. Okay. Yes. I was in my quiet space meditating because I learned years ago early on that when you quiet your mind and you want to bring harmony in your, in your, in your spirit, the best thing for you to do is find a quiet place in your house or find that quiet place that you can just quiet your thoughts and just, and just, just be ready to receive these divine downloads when you start to ask these questions. And so as I focused and I was asking these questions, it was just like the information was just flowing. It was just flowing to me. And some people will say, well, that's kind of hokey. I don't believe that. I'm like, well, you, you can choose to not believe it if you want. It's, <laughs> you know, you have the right to be wrong. I'm not going to argue with you. All I know is it worked for me. It got me to where I needed to go. It gave me the information that I needed. And here it is today. I am healthy. My heart today is healthy. <laughs> my, my condition has been reversed. <laughs> I am an anomaly. I am someone who, when the doctors look at me, they say, how did you do it? They, their, their jaws hit the floor. You know, how a person that has had congestive heart failure and sudden cardiac arrest for you to be at this stage right now at age almost a month from today, almost a month from today, I'm turning 47 Uh for you to have reversed your heart condition. This is something that we've never, you don't see this ever. They don't see it ever. And Johnny, will you please share with the audience what your good news is? They don't see it. You've beaten the 5% statistic and they told you that uh, 
your your uh, your pacemaker, right? What did they tell you about your pacemaker? Since you're talking about defying all odds and rising mm-hmm. above your circumstances, will you tell us what they told you? So I've had my device in my chest now for almost six years. December twenty, actually December thirty first of this year will be six years I had this device. When I received the device, I had a ten year battery lifespan. As of my recent, most recent checkup, my battery life on this device is eight years, but I've had this device for almost six years. So basically what that means is the device is not even being used. It's just monitoring my heart and just kind of taking pictures of it. And that's it. You know, I haven't been paced. I haven't been shocked, thank God. And everything is functioning normally. We've had the discussion about once this battery does expire, that we can have it removed out of my chest. <laughs> and, yes, And yes, so yes. for me, that was awesome news because from day one, I never wanted to have the device in the first place. That's right. But I'm glad that I did have it. And um, it was here just in case something happened, but nothing has. And we're going to monitor it over the course of the, the next several years because there's still eight years left on the battery. But as I look eight years into the future, turning, you know, 54, 55 years old, to have this procedure where now we can extract this device out of my chest and I can live right. a oh, that is so normal, wonderful. Ah, that healthy, is so good. strong life. Yes. You know, to, yes, to have yes. now come full circle to say, look at where I was, but look at where I've come. And yeah, look at and where it, you've it, come it from. So, Johnny, tell us this, because we're coming close. We're coming close to the end, and I want you to get this out there. What is your empowering message for the listening audience? Yes, we're, you're getting, you're, you're at that point. You've risen above. What do you want people to know? Because you have defied the odds. And I would, I want to argue that you're not an anomaly, that you are a beautiful example of the power of love, the human mind, determination, and alignment with universal law. What is the message that you have for us today? So here's the message. Adversity introduces you to who you are. And whatever Goliath, if you remember the story of David and Goliath, many many of us know that story. But without getting too deep into it, I'll just share with you this. Whatever the Goliath is in your life, don't run from it. Don't try to pray it away. Slay it. You slay your Goliath. Because you slaying your own Goliath, whatever your Goliath is, you slaying that introduces you to the person that you were born to be. Mm. Woo. Face your adversity and slay your Goliath. Now, Johnny, we are reaching the end of the show. If listeners want to connect with you, what is the best way to connect to you, connect with you and how do we get your book? They can connect with me by going to my website, www.succeedwithjd.com. That's www.succeedwithjd, all one word, .com. And you can also get the book from there as well. I'm glad to say that it's a number one Amazon bestseller. <laughs> of course it is. You can just go ahead and cl- you can click on the link and you can get it 
directly shipped to you. Or you can download the Kindle version if you want the Kindle version. Thank you. All right, you guys. Thank you so much, Johnny. With all that I am and on behalf of the listening audience, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for vulnerably and powerfully sharing your story to inspire us to greatness. So thank you so much. And as you guys are listening, remember, we are here to empower you to rise above your circumstances, to reign in life. You have everything everything inside of you to create the life that you want and the way that Johnny just so beautifully stated it. If you're facing adversity, look adversity dead in the eye and know who you are. You are love. You are truth. You are power. And you are here with great purpose. And like I always, always say, you have everything, everything inside of you to create the life that you want. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on Creatrix, creating the life you want with Amira Mondin. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And remember, you have everything inside you to create the life you want.